As you can see this morning, we are going to have the Lord's Supper as a part of this message. And I think it's interesting that in the Bible, the Bible begins with a wedding. At the end of Revelation, you'll also recognize that it ends with a wedding. So weddings and marriages are used throughout the Scripture to establish a look at the relationship between God and man. What this life is supposed to look like. So it begins with a wedding. So it should come as no surprise that what we find in the middle from Genesis to Revelation is about bridal preparation. It's telling us about how to be ready to be that bride. I want to ask you if you would begin with me this morning in the book of Ruth. Because this is one of those moments where we see that put on display. Naomi is telling Ruth, the coming bride, how to be ready for the bridegroom that she is about to meet. So what we understand Naomi is telling her is about bridal preparation. What the bride needs to do to be ready to meet the one that she will marry. So I'll begin with verse 1 of Ruth chapter 3. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? So what Naomi wants is, I want you to enter into a relationship. I want you to take the step into the relationship that will do these two things. I want you to be able to find rest in the person that you meet. And I want you to be well. I want you to do well when you meet this person, when you enter into this relationship. And now is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast. Behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man, until he shall have done eating and drinking. And it shall be when he lies down, that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie. And thou shalt go in, and uncover his feet, and lay thee down. And he will tell thee what to do. And she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me, I will do. So we see this moment, recognizing that what Naomi is telling her first, is you have to wash yourself. You have to be washed. Again, we're not confused by this, because we also know that if we're going to enter into the fullness of the relationship that God has for us with Him, the first thing that happens is that our sins have got to be washed away. There has to be this connection through the blood of Christ that makes us clean before Him. But notice the very specific order, because once you're clean, you can take on the anointing. You can't be anointed until you're clean, but the anointing is the coming of the Holy Spirit. Once you're clean, and once you have been anointed, then you can put on new raiment, you can put on new clothes. It means that you're going to have an outward story that matches what just happened to you inwardly. It should be no surprise that once I am washed by the blood of Jesus, And now that I am anointed by the Spirit of God, that I then can have a new testimony unlike I have ever had before. But the story wasn't complete. Because if you want to be ready to be that bride, she says you also need to lay at His feet. You need to express before Him humility. And then whatever He says, do it. Obedience. A very precise order in how to tell a bride to be ready for the bridegroom. And it should come as no surprise that it's the same preparation that God would give us. We have to be washed. We have to be anointed. We take on that new testimony because, as I shared in Sunday school this morning, the potential of what I can do with my hands, the potential of what I can do with my mouth, the potential of where I can go with my feet when it's just me, is dynamically and drastically changed 
when someone comes to live in me who has potential that I don't have. My capability then with Christ in me dynamically changes because I take on His capability. Again, I used this in an illustration years ago in in children's sermon. I can hold a balloon in my hand and I can blow it up with air. And what's it going to do? It's going to demonstrate by the outer shell that which I just put in it and it's going to lay there. What happens when I fill it with helium? The outer piece takes on the dynamic of what was put in it and it will immediately begin to rise. Well, again, that's what our testimony becomes because I take on the capability of that one who was placed in me by the Spirit of God. That ought to be how we're known. But it will never work. It will never be pleasing before God if it's not matched by humility and the recognition that it's Him and not me. And then matched with the obedience that I will do what He says. So we get a great snapshot here of bridal preparation. We find it in the parables of Jesus very often about the ten virgins who are waiting on the bridegroom. We also get a parable of two sets of wedding guests. The first who excluded themselves because they were too busy. And the second group, and the interesting group for me, is the group that came in and they were excluded because they didn't come dressed correctly. They didn't come prepared recognizing the significance of the banquet to which they had been invited. Well, we would say, well, he should have accepted them the way they are. Well, I want to tell you, God will not accept you the way that you are. He loves you the way that you are. But he will not accept you until he sees his righteousness in us, only made possible by the blood of Christ. He doesn't accept us on our terms. He accepts us on his. When he sees his righteousness in us, because we've taken on the Son of God, then his righteousness is what's pleasing to him. The second group often demonstrates us because in that group is found that attitude this was just any old banquet just like we could say to ourselves this is just any old church service this is just like they were last week this is the way that they will always be and I can dismiss this moment as they were dismissing the banquet they could come wearing whatever including the rags of unrighteousness and it ended with them being cast out I want to tell you I'm not talking about the way that you're physically dressed this morning. I am telling you that God is noticing how you're dressed internally this morning. He's come to make sure, to tell us, to teach us about how important it is on that day that we enter into that banquet, that we be dressed correctly. As they were in so many of the parables, telling them, teaching them about how to be ready for a banquet yet to come. This too is our tragic mistake. In all of our freedom, and I love the freedom, and with all the grace and love that we receive, and we know it well, we fail to remember that He expects us to be clothed with that righteousness and that preparation must be made. I was asked a question this past week about the Lord's Supper. And I had a hunch when I received the question that I was missing something about the Lord's Supper and its true purpose for us. I kind of compared it to the fact that I had taught baptism for so many years and then the Lord showed me that there was so much more in it than what I had ever imagined. My suspicion was that I was probably missing something in this ordinance of the Lord's Supper as well. So I answered, I need to spend time with it. I need to go back. I need to read and I need to ask God, God, am I missing something at this table? 
I don't know if he's shown me everything that I need to see, but he did show me one thing that I was absolutely and truly missing about this moment. So I want us to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It was here that I discovered the difference. It was here that, that this moment has now shifted for me to something that could be done almost whenever, to something that should live in the very front of our hearts. This moment, this ordinance, the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I'll begin with verse 23. Paul was teaching them about what Jesus had done in that upper room. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread... And drink this cup of the Lord, unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of that cup. For he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. When I considered all the, the teaching about the forming of the marriage relationship that's done in the Scripture, all of that preparation, everything he teaches us in those parables, even to go back into the Old Testament and look at this picture in the story of Ruth and the hundreds of other places, when we talk about those particular parts of the Bible, he's telling us to be prepared for an event yet to come. So hang on to that. He's saying, I want you to be prepared. I'm giving you this truth. I want you to have this understanding because it's going to be imperative for you to have that so that you will fully understand about an event, a banquet, a gathering that's yet to come. So when I started with that, recognizing that there's a whole bunch of teaching back there about wedding preparation, I started with that. And when I considered Jesus saying, when you do this, I want you to do this in remembrance of me, something hit me. He's not asking us when we come to this table to participate in the taking of this cup and of this bread, his body and his blood. He's not asking us to simply remember that he died. He's not simply asking us to remember that he shed his blood. When we come to this table, he's asking us to remember it is a preparation for an event yet to come. This is not looking back. Though it is perfectly appropriate to remember his death. But what did he say in that verse 26? I want you to remember this, but I want you to have this point in the future that we're going to do this until he comes. Because what he asks us to remember when we approach this table is not just what he's done for us. He's saying, this is a moment. This is a preparation. I want you to remember that. I want you to remember what I've told you about what's coming. I want you to remember that there is an event that you do not want to miss. And there is an event you want to live ready because missing that one is going to be unbelievably difficult. So what is this all about? All of this. 
How many of us remember well our wedding rehearsal? They come in all forms. They come in all sizes and they come in all shapes. But I can tell you, maybe because it's been a few years ago, I remember better the rehearsal dinners and the wedding rehearsals of our kids. Jay's was in Missouri, so that the, much of that preparation had already been done by Carrie's family. At Aaron's wedding, there were 12 of us there, and it didn't take a great deal of rehearsal to make sure that 12 people knew what to do, since most of them were guests. But I want to share with you a little bit this morning about, what, about Kate's. It was at our house, about 300 guests, fed them dinner first, changed everything over so that we could actually have the wedding in the backyard. These are the things that I know. This has been true of all of them, but I'm going to speak of one. It was a joyous occasion. All of the family and friends were there, and there, and there, was, there was a lot of help, and it was a blessed time. For Kate's wedding, it took two rehearsals. But there were about 40 people, 40 to 45 people that were in her wedding, helping in one way or the other. And there was a lot of coordination, so we had one gathering for all of those people to meet. We talked at that gathering about where to set the tables, about where to set up the food, where we were going to feed everyone, who would be responsible for what task, and what certain things would have to happen, because if we didn't do that well, if we didn't do the preparation well, the wedding day would not have went well. Think about that. If you don't do the preparation well, then the event that's coming won't go well. On the night before the wedding, on a Friday night when we actually gathered to go through everything and to make sure everybody knew what to do. At that time, we rehearsed where to stand. We rehearsed the order of things, when the music would be and when people would come in. And we rehearsed how and where to walk as the bride entered into the presence of the bridegroom. We rehearsed all of those details. Why do we do all that? Because the goodness yet to come out here, the goodness yet to come, was only possible with the preparation that we were making on that day. Preparation meant something remarkable would happen the next day. Without it, you don't know what will happen. Great, great attention to the preparation. So the rehearsal is just a sample and the preparation for the wedding that was going to happen tomorrow. When John recorded Jesus' revelation, One powerful scene in Revelation 19 is a wedding. If you haven't ever read it, go read it. It's remarkable as that chapter opens. We know that it ends with Jesus coming out of heaven in the Valley of Megiddo in the Battle of Armageddon. He's followed by this army. But it begins with the presentation of a bride and how she's dressed and how she's adorned and how she has been made ready for that particular moment. On that day, the bride... The true believers will come arrayed in the splendor, in the purity that is described in the wedding in Revelation. There is glory in that moment unmatched. If you don't get this, I hope you do now. This right here is the rehearsal dinner. What are we doing here? If we do this well, if this rehearsal that God gave us, if we understand the significance of what we're doing here, what are we supposed to be learning here? What's supposed to happen at this table? What happens in a few minutes when you come up here and you walk down this aisle and you take from Parker or you take, you take from Danny and you stand there before the cross with the cup and with the bread? 
What's supposed to be happening in that moment that will make you ready for that moment yet to come? Because this is a rehearsal dinner. All the things that we did at each one of those, we're doing right here. The first question in this preparation, is your garment white? Or is there something that has been unconfessed? Is there something unknown? That's why we're told to examine ourselves. Is there something that we need to get rid of? Because when we examine the clothes that we're going to wear on that day, are they white? Because this is the moment in this rehearsal. This is the moment when those things can be taken care of and our garments can be white before Him. You can stand here with those sacraments in your hand and say before God and confess and and seek forgiveness and your garment will be made white. Is your focus on Him when you come? Because what are we doing in that moment of rehearsal? Is we're rehearsing what it's going to be like in that moment when the bride sees the bridegroom and the bridegroom sees the bride. What's it going to be like? Do you know how to walk down the aisle to meet Him? And we do we do it? recognizing what's to come. Our celebration of the Lord's Supper is this wedding rehearsal that we're going to practice until the Lord returns. We're going to do this until it returns. The Lord's Supper is the meal that makes us ready. As often as we do it, we taste in this moment, and we see in this moment that God, the Lord, is good, and we can commune with Him in His Spirit. Come and taste. Come and see that the Lord is good. You're holding it in your hands. Not the real event, because it's still coming, but the rehearsal of what you want it to be like in that moment when those two things, you and as the bride of Christ, true believers, come before God and we join with His Son in this relationship unlike we can ever even imagine. At almost every rehearsal I do, that I lead in or I participate in, there's a consistent issue at almost every one of them. Everyone walks too fast. Think back on yours. I imagine somebody said, don't hurry, take your time, because what you learn in that few moments is that your natural pace and your natural gait are not really conducive to the entering of a bride into the presence of a bridegroom. And it's interesting that we rehearse that. We do our best. To get that right, our walk down the aisle this morning is going to be affected. You know this. You can think forward into this. Our walk down the aisle this morning is going to be affected by two or three things. One, by the speed of those who are serving. But most of all, by the speed of the people who are in front of you. As they walk, you walk behind them. You wait in your pew until these are finished and then you return. You're going to be directly affected and you're entering in by the situations and the people around you. Our walk will put us into natural agreement this morning with the people who are in this body of Christ. That's rehearsal. Because what should be happening this morning, and the reason that we should examine ourselves, is because God has a great desire that when the bride is entering into the presence of the bridegroom, and we're rehearsing it right here, that the bride will be a bride that has figured out how to live in agreement with you and with me. That we enter into His presence fully connected, united, and pure before Him, not holding against one another anything that would be a mark on the dress that has been prepared for the bride into His presence. 
the Lord's Supper trains us to step in such a way as that we can be receptive to the life He desires to give us. It's one of the ways that God teaches us to not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Receiving the bread and the cup with the body of Christ reminds us that our pace and our gait, how we walk, are intended to be part of something greater. Most of us just walk, we've developed our own, we walk at our own pace, we walk at our own gait, but it's not supposed to be that way in the church or in the bride of Christ, in His body. My pace, my gait, I have to learn how to walk in consistency and unity with you, or it won't be much of a presentation before the bridegroom. And just as weddings put families and friends and often strangers in the same room with a common purpose, we find unity in the rehearsal. Disagreement means disaster. We're reminded to search ourselves. First, so that we can eagerly join together for this rehearsal dinner. For for tomorrow, the wedding will come. Tomorrow, it will be the real thing. Tomorrow, we'll meet Him. I certainly certainly want to be ready. There we learn to break bread, to share the cup, and begin to weave our lives, our hopes, our joys together over the intimate meal with our beloved. If this rehearsal is done well, we will be even more excited with greater anticipation of what's to come. If the rehearsal dinner, the rehearsal goes well, everyone leaves with a greater anticipation, getting to see a glimpse of the beauty of what's about to happen. I asked a couple that I married recently. I was talking to the husband because they did a video of the wedding. They got one of the wedding and then they got all the the raw footage. And he said, it's kind of amazing because he says, I I will miss my wife and realize I haven't seen her in a few minutes and I'll find her sitting at the computer watching this event. I hope when you come to this table you will recognize the simple reality that you are walking in unity and in unison with the the people around you. Not physically, but our hearts are together. That I don't come here at this table with feeling at odds with anyone, but that I'm learning to walk together as the bride of Christ. Not competing, not church versus church or member versus member, but we learn to walk together to this table. And when we stand here, when it's your turn, that you're recognizing I'm rehearsing in this moment. I don't really have him in front of me, but I am in this rehearsal preparing for this moment when this great exchange will occur. I want you, I want us, to have a great rehearsal this morning because when Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, he's saying, remember I'm coming. Remember there's a wedding about to happen. Work it out right here. It's a great time to rehearse. Lord, as those who are going to serve come this morning, I just ask you to begin to prepare hearts, to prepare our minds, to prepare our spirits, to prepare us with the simple understanding in our hearts that we don't do this occasionally. Because if we do this right, it will build an anticipation that says, I think I want to do that again. I think I want to rehearse again. Because with every rehearsal, I get a moment when I can live in the anticipation of what's coming tomorrow when it's the wedding. When I get to meet you face to face, I know I get to live right now with you in the Spirit. But someday, I'm going to get to meet you face to face. And I want to be ready for that moment. And I know that this rehearsal going on right now 
It's getting us ready because tomorrow I'll meet you face to face. Not as the bread, not as the cup. I'll meet you. What we get to practice spiritually will come true tomorrow. Let this be our prayer. Let this be that moment. Let this rehearsal go well. In Jesus' name, amen.